Thank you for allowing us to come on board, Captain... Hale. If you don't mind me saying, it's quite a surprise meeting Jedi out here. <laughs> Our existence remains a mystery to most, Captain Hale. I bet it does. You put on a good show, but... Uh, I don't buy it. I don't understand. You're no Jedi. Just some overconfident Imperial trash who just pushed their luck too far. You're making a mistake. And you, sir, should have surrendered when the Empire collapsed. Jacris, get RD3 to scan these imposters for identification. Allow me to show you our identification. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 536, Ahsoka, parts one and two. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Shin Hattie to my Balin skull, we've got Carl LeClaire. Master, I have so many questions. Will you answer all of them? No, I will answer <laughs> none of them and only speak in riddles. <laughs> Let me show you my identification. Orange lightsaber ignite. <laughs> we are no Jedi. <laughs> Oh, Jason, I am so excited that we're finally able to have a conversation, an in-depth conversation about Ahsoka. Uh, obviously, we chose to wait till after the strikes were settled. They've been settled. Yippee. Um, and huzzah! we are going to approach this series of Ahsoka in only the way the Wampusler knows how, which is to just talk through some of our favorite moments from each episode. Because um, that's how we do things. Jason, I don't think... Uh, the series was perfect because I don't think anything in Star Wars is perfect except for Empire Strikes Back. Um, and, you know, but, you know, we're not here to we always do our best to make sure we are just loving on Star Wars projects. So that is what we will be focusing on for the rest of the month of December is diving into two episodes of Ahsoka a week, talking through some of our favorite scenes. So that's what we got in store for you. Yes, absolutely. It, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm sure you know there will be future, more in-depth conversations about this series as we you know continue on into 2024. Uh, but you know we're we're just starting off with here's the stuff that worked for us. Here's what we really enjoyed um, because I mean Carl and I have we've been talking behind the scenes about this show, you know for. You know, ever since it was coming out, and now finally we get to talk about it with you guys. I'm really excited about that, um, and it's just going to be great. Going to be great, Carl. Uh, spoiler alert: If you haven't watched right. the series, <laughs> <Thank> obviously, <laughs> thanks, Jason. Um, <laughs> because we're not going to talk around anything, and you know, uh, we're not going to cover everything in this. So we're, you know, we're not going to, you know, cover the full plots of these episodes. Uh, so if you uh, need a refresher go back and watch it and come back and enjoy uh, us talking about our favorite moments from the series so um we're we're picking uh 
you know, a couple of moments from each episode. And uh, I think I, I managed to pick three from each. And Carl, you've got uh, four from one and two from the other. So we're we're all set and ready to go. Uh, how do we want to start this? Uh, you know, I figured just talk through things chronologically. I feel like that's the easiest. I didn't necessarily rank my my scenes and moments. Um, just figured it'd be easiest to just talk through them chronologically. Um, yeah. And and I know that also makes sense because we both want to start by talking about just the opening of the show. Absolutely. 100 uh, percent. Fantastic opening sequence to this this really cool show. Uh, so, Carl, um, tell me. How much do you love the characters of Shin and Balin? I I mean, gosh, even before the show started, they were the characters I was most excited to meet. Um, and, and I think it was just because they were presented as, I mean, Balin was presented clearly as a former Jedi who obviously survived Order 66. I was fascinated mm-hmm. by the orange lightsabers, right? Like, you know, now that we have all this lore around how a Sith creates their lightsaber, right? By bleeding a kyber crystal, that's what makes it red. So what's with the orange? And of course we got no explanation, which I think is fine. Not like we ever got that explanation about Sith lightsabers in movies. Um, no. And I'm like, to me, it was like, Oh cool. Is it like, did they attempt to bleed it and it didn't quite work or like what's going on? Um, but all that to say, I was immediately uh, really interested in them because as somebody who grew up with the, the legends era of, of novels in the nineties, dark Jedi were popping up all over the place. <laughs> you know, they were like, yes. they were all over the star Wars galaxy. So it was really neat. This prospect of maybe getting some can new Canon star Wars, dark Jedi, but as this opening scene clearly makes uh, apparent, they are no Jedi. Um, right. But, you know, Jason, before we even like going in about Balin and, and, and Shin, I really want to just highlight how awesome it was to get an opening crawl. Um, I loved that yeah. it was a different take on an opening crawl. I mean, I think the only other new Star Wars movie. Well, I shouldn't say it like that. I loved how Solo also kind of gave us an opening crawl. Um, right. But I, I really liked the way Dave chose to do this. I mean, the, the red script is very ominous. I mean, it, it makes you feel the the final season of Clone Wars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the music that's playing, right? It's not the triumphant force theme or, uh, you know, rebel fanfare. It's this kind of ominous mm-hmm. music. But it, the opening crawl to me is really great because it's just it's an invitation back into the fairy tale that is Star Wars. It's it's setting yeah. the world and and I was thinking about this when I was rewatching the episode the other night. You know, all the conversations I've had with with friends who are, you know, mildly interested Star Wars fans to hardcore ones, you know, if you had never seen Rebels or Clone Wars, you don't know who any of these characters are. And that's why I think this opening crawl is actually really awesome because it just it's no different mm-hmm. than a new hope. It's blop it's just dropping you into this galaxy where there's a lot of assumed knowledge. Um and they just start telling you a story. And I think the opening crawl does that very, very well. Uh, it tells you, okay, here's what's going on. You've got um, you've got a new Republic, but it's being threatened by whispers of this villainous character named Grand Admiral Thrawn, who people are looking for. And there's this character, Ahsoka, who's also looking. She's a, you know, a, she's a Jedi Knight. Here's the story, right? Like, I just, I felt like it was right. the perfect setup. And then immediately going down into... I mean, it's almost an inverse of the A New Hope shot. Instead of the bottom of a ship, we have the top of a massive New Republic cruiser coming into the starscape. Like it's 
it immediately like grabs you and pulls you into the story in a way that George did in 1977. But it's also different, right? It's the same spirit, mm. a little bit of a different form. And I just really enjoy that. Yeah, no, it, it, it's fantastic. And, and it is nice to have a crawl because it's nice to have sort of our, our long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, our once upon a time, if you will, exactly. uh, moment. You know, it, it, it really, not only does it, give us the pertinent information that we need, you know, that anybody who's not familiar with these characters or is familiar with these characters needs for this story. Um, but it, it does sort of open the book uh, as we start looking at the, the adventure that's about to unfold. Uh, and it, it, you know, it gives us that kind of that fairy tale, you know, legend, you know, vibe that all star Wars has when it, gives us this a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So, um, which is one of the things I love about star Wars. So I'm yeah. very happy to get a crawl. Um, yeah. I, how cool was it that they're also Balin and Shin, right? I, I, I mean, I love the kind of puzzled looks on everybody's face on the bridge when they're like, it's, it's a, it's Jedi, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. and they're flying an old Jedi, uh, shuttle, Right? We saw these yes. things in Clone Wars. We saw them in Tales of the Jedi. Um, these are This is a ship that has lived with prequel era fans for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was really great, too. It was great. Um, I also like how the captain of the ship is like, yeah, I'm going to call their bluff. This, mm-hmm. is, this isn't the, – they aren't who they say they are, or at least not in the way that they say they are. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, he's – He's definitely been around a few blocks. He's old enough. He might have even uh, been like a kid when, you know, before the Jedi fell, you know, during the Clone Wars. Mm. So he's he's probably uh, seen a few things uh, and it is knowledgeable enough or has the experience to question the the uh, the assumed statement there. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you, you know, that that opening shot, like I said, of the, the New Republic cruiser um, kind of being this inverse of the, you know, the Devastator and in New Hope. It also I think it, it also sets up this truth about who the New Republic is in this galaxy. They're they're formidable. Right. I mean, it's this. Yes. It's this massive, powerful ship. And I love that side shot we get as the, you know, Balin and Shin shuttle is kind of flying into the belly of the beast if you will right i mean that's it's again a continued kind of play on the a new hope imagery of this small rebel cruiser trying to escape but now it's this small jedi shuttle being kind of swallowed up by this formidable you know battle wagon of the new republic yeah yeah it is it it's sort of i like how you you said that it it inverts the uh the visuals of a new hope um of course with the music it's mm. ominous and you're so like this good. is yeah uh, this is not going to go well is it uh we're still going to get the bad guys winning in this scene aren't we <laughs> <laughs> well and you know and then as balin and shin come off that shuttle jason as you you and i talked about a lot when we first watched the show and, and i heard a lot of voices saying the same thing but how qui-gon and obi-wan it is right like there's just such a phantom yeah. menace feel and I don't know if you feel this way, Jason, but the way Balin even like the way Ray Stevenson and again, honored to that man for the beautiful, beautiful acting he gave us in this series. Talk about gone too soon. 
Um, yeah. But uh, there's something about the timber of his voice as he's talking to Captain Hale that actually reminds me of the sound of Qui-Gon's voice. They're just, there's a sim- mm. similar timber when he talks that it's like, you even sound a little bit like Qui-Gon. You know, he's got a little bit of a Liam Neeson accent to it. Um, you know, and, and maybe it's just because it's, it's kind of like a really rich, deep voice, kind of like Liam Neeson has. Um, but mm-hmm. just even the sound of his voice, the way they're even shooting that, like these hooded characters walking in just like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon into the Trade Federation ship. So it's, it's kind of this really cool blending of a new hope and a little bit of Phantom Menace right in these kind of opening shots of, of the show. Yeah, it, it's super great. And, you know, it, it has those visual cues to to key in fans of both of those trilogy to get them invested and and all of that stuff i i like that and yeah ray stevenson and liam neeson have a similar register like liam neeson's a little a little gra- more gravelly now than he used to be <laughs> sure but, but uh but yeah they, they have a similar register and a similar timber to their voice so that is cool uh, i do like you know af- as the you know they reveal themselves and Shin is just going absolute bonkers on everybody. Um, when we get the shots of Balin stalking down the halls, uh, it's it's very Vader esque. Oh yeah, the way he's he's just it, and stalking is the appropriate word. He's not marching. He's not uh, you know racing down the halls. He's stalking with purpose and. Uh, nothing's going to slow him down. So yeah. I love, I just love the look of the, the different styles that we get from the two of them as they take over the ship single-handedly. So mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you got that really great choral music that kind of introduces Balin's kind of motif in the, in the show. Um, and there's something I actually, you know, Looking at the way both Shin and Balin attack in the scenes we see, Shin is kind of like a wild animal, right? Like she is, there's a viciousness to her style. Um, And I was hoping to understand a little bit more of like where that may have come from. Uh, So I'll just put it out there right now. My only big complaint of this show is it didn't give us more backstory for Balin and Shin. But again, that's an expectation that new Star Wars fans have. You know, again, you go back to the original trilogy, there's all sorts of untold things that didn't get told for years. All that to say, I just wanted more. But back to the point, right? Shin is kind of this ferocious animal, like let off the chain who just demolishes people. But Balin, like there's this, there's this self-assuredness, like almost, Mm -hmm. he's almost fighting like a Jedi. He's just deflecting bolts, right? Like he isn't, he isn't on the attack the same way she is. And when we see him strike down those last two guards, if you really look closely, he doesn't really deliver killing blows like one guy he cuts along the hip one guy he kind of like just disarmed so i mean it's kind of implied that he kills them but i don't know there's just the the way he the way he fights is there's i don't know there's almost like this calm uh reserve to him like he's just doing what he has to do to complete the mission Mm -hmm. whereas shin is almost i don't want to say she's enjoying it but She's certainly enjoying it more than Balin is. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Uh, She's yeah. more Darth uh, Maul. He's more Count Dooku. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. He, she's, she's definitely um, finally, you know, the, the image of a wild animal let off, the, let off its leash is very apt. She's finally being let free to do what she's been trained to do. And she's, 
reveling in it to some extent mm. and uh, definitely enjoying proving that she is a superior combatant to everyone else around her. Balin does exactly what he needs to do to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. The the movement, no movement is wasted. Um, you know, obviously there's there's the shot that he, you know, he, he you know, moves his saber up to block mm. a laser bolt, but the other laser bolt bounces off his uh, bracers, you know. Uh, I didn't the, notice The armor that. on his braces. Yeah. So That's he's, awesome. <laughs> yeah, he, it, it's a precise movement that does exactly what it needs to do uh, with no extra flourish, no extra uh, movement, and it's it, exactly what needs to be done in order to accomplish what he is trying to accomplish. There, there's no wasted movement in anything that he does. That's so, so cool. I, now i got to rewatch that scene. I never noticed that he deflects one off of his, uh, like, gauntlet. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. He, he gets, like, one or two with the saber, and one bounces off the front gauntlet. Uh, on his on his arm there so it's, cool it's really cool uh I'll, and to that real quick i also wanted to say how much i love the outfits that balin and shin wear like they both yeah. look like almost like medieval knights in a way right like the, the these shoulder pieces they have on they're very metallic it, it very much resonates with like a medieval knight meets star wars like it's it just such a cool design for their for their costumes yeah absolutely and, and i'm sure we'll talk about it later on but uh the the medieval theme is is very prevalent in this because obviously we've got sort of medieval Europe with Shin and, and Balin in the terms of their design and Ahsoka is, you know, very much samurai, which is medieval Japan and, and mm. that sort of thing. So um the, the sort of the medieval Middle Ages kind of vibe is very strong in this show. Uh different different areas of the world. Um but I love how they come together and they it really blends beautifully. But uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that later when they actually come into contact with each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm. But of course, we rescue yeah. we we rescue uh, Morgan Elspeth, who I'm so glad we have back. And she's, you know, I loved her in Mandalorian. Um, her role in this show makes like makes my enjoyment of her character in Mandalorian look minuscule. Like she's so cool. I love her mm. uh, her whole arc in this story, um, but obviously this is the beginning. We're rescuing her, and we got to find what they're looking for, which is the key to locating Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I clearly we both loved this intro scene. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, yeah. It's uh, we, we talked quite a bit about it, Carl. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Where is your next scene? My next scene is actually uh, the introduction of Sabine. So I don't know if you oh, have yeah. something before nope. that. I have something after that. So go ahead. Take okay. it away. I, you know, I don't have too much to say about it. Um, but I, I love when we, we went back to Lothal. We got to visit Lothal and see some familiar faces uh, and some familiar places. And that was really, really, you know, great for all the rebel fans uh to to see all those obviously you don't need to know uh any of that going into it but getting to you know introduce sabine in the way that they do that uh as she's ditching the ceremony and racing back home because she doesn't want to you know do any you know be a part of any of this and 
just the the race against the starfighters as she's trying to get out of town. I really enjoyed. I, I'm a big fan of of the the visuals and kind of how they the the, the camaraderie and interplay between her and the starfighter uh, captain there uh, and the music. I thoroughly enjoyed the music and, and how it interplays. You know the the song that she's playing in her helmet as she's racing down. Um, I just thought it was great. Uh, it was a great way to really introduce Sabine, I think, and, and kind of her her vibe, if you will, uh, as well as reintroduce Lothal and all the familiar places and people that Rebels fans uh, might have been missing. So it it just it was just something that hit right for me mm-hmm. and really. Uh, I can't help but sort of grin uh, as I as I watch her uh, play chicken with a starfighter on her speeder bike. Uh, it's <laughs> it's just a it's just a fun a fun sequence. Uh, nobody's in danger, um, you know, but there's definitely some some high octane adrenaline going on. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I feel like uh, you could have easily just slapped in sabotage, sabotage by Beastie Boys here too. So, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's cool that it's 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 one of the only in universe pieces of music we get in in the show so far. Um, mm-hmm. It's I, I I enjoy it in the show. Uh, whenever I'm listening to the soundtrack, I do typically skip that track. It's just not my, it's fine. Like I appreciate it for what it is, but I will say it does remind me of the type of music Zeb listens to in rebels. Um, yes. you know, it's kind of has a similar, similar feeling to that. So I appreciate it for, for that purpose. And yeah. yeah, it's, it's Sabine kind of running away from clearly some, some grief she's still dealing with. Um, yeah. And I got to say though, like, again, as a huge 90s legends kid uh seeing the ewing in real life was awesome like it was so cool yes uh absolutely that that was a nice touch a nice touch and i uh i think can't remember if that's a ship you can unlock in uh the old rogue squadron game or if that's the v-wing or the uh no it mm. is the u-wing it is the u-wing yes you can unlock that ship for like a couple missions if you get high enough you know, medals on some of the missions you can unlock that to, to use. Um, so it was really, really fun to see it in the show. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a nice, nice little nod to, to the fans. For Dave sure. Filoni likes, likes giving us these little, these little things just for us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, He's emptying the toy box for this show, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll play. Um, so with so the next scene I wanted to mention for me is uh it's it's one of the the very next scene we get with with Shin and Balin and others. Um but uh it's when uh Shin kind of learns that Morgan Elsbeth and we by extension learn that Morgan Elsbeth is a um Deathmerian witch. Um Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Uh it, it I think the first thing I want to mention about this is one of the things that worked so well for me in Ahsoka was the world building it did. And, and it, and it was, mm-hmm. and it felt very star Warsy in its world building. If, if that makes sense. Um, it felt very George Lucas in its world building. And it's not to say that other things do it wrong or whatever, but 
I just, I just love that sense of mystery that, oh my gosh, like the death Marian witches, they've been around a long time, apparently, right? Like this was their temple that was destroyed. And, and when Shin learns that Morgan is the descendant of, of the death Marian witches, you know, she, she's, you're a witch. The way she just kind of delivers that line is it's almost derisive, like almost disgusted. Um, and also there's a wariness now that comes into shit. Mm-hmm. If you'll, you know, as, yeah. as, if you watch her moving forward in the way she'll interact and relate to Morgan, there's, there's a very clear wariness. Um, and that is clearly yeah. rooted in the fact that Morgan Elsbeth is, uh, is, is a witch, a night sister. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it, you could it, say she, she's, she's, not, she's not, she's not just a night sister a, yet. But, um, yeah. She, she's not just a, uh, a, an imperial, uh, you know, official anymore with, with some, you know, former glory, uh, in the, the ranks of the empire. Uh, she actually has the potential to be a, a threat within the force as well. And, yeah. and that puts, that puts Morgan, um, on Shin's watch list, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she's, and- her, her job is to make sure that Balin survives, uh, you know, is, is all right. And that that's obviously she's de- completely devoted to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now because they're dealing with, with Morgan, uh, she's got to watch Morgan while Balin watches the bigger picture. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, when, when Morgan kind of assigned Shin to then, you know, go off and, and find Sabine. Um, you know, she's wary, you know, master, what kind of, what threads is she spreading here? Oh no, it's not witchcraft. You know, um, I love the way, again, there's not a ton of it, but the way Balin and Shin interact, you know, there is, Shin has this profound respect for Balin, right? And, and, and we see that here in the way that she also like, the way that she, when Morgan kind of gives the assignment, she's basically like, no, 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 you're not my boss. You can't tell me what to do. But then Balin gives it to her and also explains why. Like, I, I think it's clear evidence that Balin is a good master. Like when she has questions, he responds. Like he, he hears her questions and gives her the full truth, right? Like he, he doesn't keep things from her. And I think no wonder there is just this, this profound respect she has for him, you know? Mm, yeah, no, that's true. He he gives her, he gives her what she needs. Yeah, in order to to accomplish this. Yeah, um, and the last point I want to say, and this and this will be this is a general thing that will be true for the rest of the show when it comes to Balin and Shin. They're just there's just something about them that I find compelling, and I, I won't lie. Definitely, some of it is just their look. They look cool. I love the colors of them. I yeah. love uh, I love the just like the way they carry themselves into scenes. I just love a really good villain. Um, and to me, this always goes back to the Dark Knight with the Joker. Like I love the Dark Knight. But as much as I love Batman, the thing that all every time I watch that movie, the thing that always draws me in is Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, and when you have villains that kind of inhabit the screen in such a way that they just demand you look at them that's Balin and Shin for mm-hmm. me and yeah. um and and I just I it, right it's 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 an intangible thing for me like it's it's not going to always be there all the time like there are other good villains that just don't do that for me but 
there's just a commanding presence about them. And there's enough mystery being sprinkled as the show goes on about who they are and how they found each other that it's like, oh, man, I just like I'm just glued to them. Yeah, no, no, it's that's a great point. You know, they they definitely they have the the it factor, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that just sort of draws you in and and keeps your attention. Um, and and I'm you know I'm right there with you. Uh, Balin keeps my attention more than Shin does, uh, but the the two of them together are just a very very dynamic and striking um, team. And, you know, just to kind of round out the whole scene, I love, you know, the way that the interplay between them and Morgan Elsbeth as well is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think she, uh, her, her character, um, in my estimation, is elevated because of the fact that she works so well in the scenes with Balin and Shin. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. Um, cool. Uh, well, I have, I'm pretty sure my scene comes, my next scene comes right after this one, but what's your next one? Uh, it's going to be at the end of the episode. So okay. go ahead. Um, well, I've got a couple then I'll just, I'll hit my next two kind of quickly here. Uh, so the next scene that I really want to talk about was when Sabine watches her, uh, recording from Ezra. Uh, I think for me in the first two episodes, the, besides Balin and Shin, because they're perfect and I will always be enamored with them. Uh, but <laughs> the character that draws me in most in these first couple episodes is Sabine. Um, and I found that interesting because Sabine was never a favorite of mine in Rebels. Like, I love the Rebels ghost crew as a unit, but the only individuals that I really love are Kanan and Hera. The rest of them are like, I love them as a unit, but as individual characters, I'm right. less excited about them, if that makes sense. Um, but I really like scenes like this because Sabine feels like the emotional pull in. Um, and, mm-hmm. and this is something we may talk in generalizations or, or more as we continue with this breakdown of the season. It took me a long time to get on board with Ahsoka herself. Like I, I still have a hard time with Rosario as, as Ahsoka. I'll just put that out there. I, I'm not saying she's bad. I just still have a hard time seeing her as Ahsoka. I felt like by the end of the series, I kind of finally saw it, but these first several episodes, I'm like, I just don't care about Ahsoka. She's just a curmudgeon stoic person. There's <laughs> nothing exciting about her and also didn't feel very true to her character to me. Um, that said, I know where it's all coming from. Once again, another traumatized Jedi. Like we haven't heard that story several times, Disney. Um, but uh, <laughs> all that to say, um, I really like Sabine in this scene because uh, we get, a, we just get a sense of where she's at. Like she's living in Ezra's old place. She's, kind of in this almost self-imposed exile, not not full-on exile, but she's become very clearly an isolated character. She's just a cat mom. Like, I get that as somebody who's coming home to my cats all the time and loving it. Like, we just, we get a sense of the mundanity of her life. It's very similar to that, those first scenes we get of Rey in Force Awakens, right? It just kind of sets up, it's also, we get that with Luke in A New Hope. Like, we get the sense that they are inhabiting these kind of mundane lives. But what we're learning about Sabine is that it seems like she's just kind of chosen this for herself, you know, and like you kind of indicated with your first scene of her introduction, she's running away from something that's going to honor Ezra. She's not ready to be there. She's still, she's still hurting from that loss, but as she's kind of rummaging through her stuff, we get the first hint of her theme, which was a theme that Kevin Kiner gave us in 
Rebels, I mean, we we get it in all its glory when Kanan is teaching her to use the Darksaber. It's one of the most beautiful uses of music in Star Wars, period, in my opinion. Um, but we get hints of that as she's rummaging through the messy past of her life. Like, I love that. It's like, these are all her keepsakes. We hear a hint of her theme, a hint of who she used to be. And it's this kind mm-hmm. of messy stuff piled off under a under a bench right she's trying to not put that stuff in her life anymore but clearly ezra's on her mind and she pulls out that recording we get to hear ezra's theme i love ezra's theme that kevin kiner wrote um so i love hearing it there and just seeing her react to this and and him telling her like you know you were like a sister to me it's it's this reminder of that ghost crew and again even if you're not somebody who's seen rebels there's enough to me in that um, that scene that gives you the emotion of this is a character who misses somebody who's lost out there somewhere in the galaxy. And, of course, the prospect of finding him is going to draw her back into the story. Right. So I love that scene because it sets up where Sabine is emotionally and also indicates what could bring her back to the story. Right. Like what is mm-hmm. what would emotionally bring her back? Well, it's the prospect of finding her chosen brother Ezra. So, so I loved, I love the scene for that. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And it, and it really helps us to uh, set up the, the, the connection between her and Ezra uh, as to why she's running from the ceremony, uh, you know, as to possibly one of the reasons why she and Ahsoka butted heads previously when, you know, the, you know, she was, formerly Ahsoka's apprentice um, and possibly one of the reasons why they split, you know, is, is maybe Sabine was wanting to push to go out and find Ezra more. Uh, and Ahsoka was like, no, you need to focus on this or uh, Ahsoka was trying to, was pushing Sabine to do things that Sabine thought were only things that Ezra was able to do. Hmm. Um, and my guess is that, that conflict, uh, and this is, this is me reading into things that we, you know, from after having seen the whole show, um, this is me reading into it It is that, you know, maybe that conflict is part of why she has trouble connecting to the force and definitely is probably one of the, the reasons other than the fact that they're just both very stubborn and difficult as Hera tells both of them, um, <laughs> you're just difficult. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, other than just a clash of personalities, it's probably one of the main issues that caused their initial partnership to fall apart, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably why it's extremely tense for them coming back together again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, real quick, I'll dive into my next little moment. Um, and Jason, you will not be surprised to hear it's a balcony scene. Uh, what? I know, I know. <laughs> so as the, you know, the episode goes on and Sabine gets the orb from, uh, Ahsoka. I find it interesting that, uh, Sabine is kind of doing what Thrawn is known for, right? Thrawn studies his enemy through their art. The reason Ahsoka and Hera, th- you know, think to bring Sabine into this is, well, she's an artist. She might, she, maybe she'll understand these designs and figure out something that we're not seeing. Um, so you have Sabine sitting there at the table 
you know, kind of using her artistic knowledge to better understand how to crack the code, if you will. And I just found that like as a kind of a neat homage to like, well, that's what Thrawn kind of does too, right? Like Thrawn, that's how that's how Thrawn right. gets information. Um, so I thought that was a neat connection point. But mostly, I love the scene just because of the music. And I'm gonna actually cue this up real quick. It's off the the track called "Studying the Orb," but this is I'm gonna call this theme the kind of like call to adventure hero theme of the first season of Ahsoka. Cause it's not Sabine's theme only. Like we hear it for Ahsoka a lot at the end of the fifth episode. I love this new theme kind of wrote for us, but uh, it's this really beautiful, hopeful swelling. I'm just going to play this here for a sec. love this piece of music and jason i would not be surprised if in the future we do an ahsoka uh themed episode around the music because it's so good no but the way, absolutely 100 I, mean, I love the music here this kind of rocking back and forth that kiner gives us kind of shocking her back into life and it's as as, as though the rocking notes go back and forth they're going higher and higher in pitch reaching 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 and it comes to its culmination when ahsoka excuse me when sabine runs out to the balcony of her apartment looks up into the essentially the stars and then looks down at her kitty and says, I know where I have to, it looks like I'm going on a trip now. Right. It's, it's, it's that, yeah. it's her twin sunset moment too. Right. It's, it's, she's, she's, she's got this longing. She's got this purpose now. And the music tells us all that by just letting us feel the emotion as she runs out there. It's not climb- running anymore. Right. Yeah. She's running to something, not away from something. Very well put Jason. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. She's, She's found where she needs to go next. She's found a purpose again. She's found her belonging. Um, and there's something beautiful and hopeful and heroic in that. Um, so, yeah, I, I really wanted to mention mention that scene. And then I wouldn't be surprised if then my final thing from this episode is probably yours, the duel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, <laughs> the duel with Shin. Yeah. Uh, it's a great duel. Um, you know, the obviously, you know, right after that moment is when the droids attack and steal the orb and wreck Sabine's uh, apartment, basically. And uh, she races out to chase them down after calling for backup. And who is there, Carl? But the wild animal herself, Shin Hati. Mm -hmm. And, um, And Sabine has smartly grabbed Ezra's old lightsaber and uh, so she ignites it. And then, of course, Shin is like, oh, goody. I get to test myself again. <laughs> and we get a duel. <laughs> I got to say, man, it was it's awesome having lightsaber duels back in Star Wars. Uh, you know, I, one of the one of the main things that I just just would never sat, worked for me with Andor is, is like, I, I mean, my favorite thing about Star Wars is the Jedi and the force and the mysticism. Yeah. You know, things like Andor aren't going to have it. And I uh, rightfully so. I understand why they don't. But that is my favorite thing in Star Wars. So I was just so glad to have a lightsaber duel back. And this is just the first of many throughout the series. I like this. I like that the dueling style is also different. You know, it's it's not what it was in the sequels. It's certainly not the original trilogy. It's similar to the prequels, but also different. There's uh, and then and the their their own fighting styles too. 
Shin has kind of, you can tell that she has trained in like the artistic form of lightsaber dueling, right? Like there's yeah, that well, one shot of, you know, ba- Balin is a, is a prequel era Jedi, right? And Shin sure. has learned from him. So her style is definitely a lot more, um, flourishes and, you know, athletic and, you know, you know, spins and, you know, she's very in tune with her body and with, the forms that she is executing uh, with the style. Sabine hacks and slashes a bit more. She's a bit more like Luke Skywalker in the OT. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But it's probably because, you know, that's, she's used to fighting with armor too. Um, And obviously she's out of her armor right now. So it's, uh, she's not entirely fighting in her element Mm -hmm. in this duel. So, yeah. Um Yeah, there's just, there's there's just like a ferocity that it, that exists exists between these two characters too. Like they both really want to win. Um mm-hmm. and and I think that's a perfect yeah. setup for what's going to transpire for them as the series goes on. I think this is meant to this is this is Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul on Tatooine, right? It's like it's kind of a teaser mm-hmm. of what's to come. I mean, it's clear that Sabine is outmatched. You know, Shin is kind of mm-hmm. having her way with her. She's kind of toying with her a bit. Um. So it's she, yeah, because she, she only really ends it when the droid warns her that the ship is coming. Right. So yeah, I mean, she wins that fight. She could have feel like she could have easily still taken Sabine out, but runs off to avoid having to fight Ahsoka. Um. But that's mm-hmm. that's another part about the scene that I actually really appreciate. Jason is is those shots of Ahsoka racing to come help. It reminds me a lot of Anakin racing to Palpatine's help in, in Revenge of the Sith. Um, there's even something mm. about the color and the like as she's flying through like the capital of Lothal. It has a very Coruscant feel at night. The ship she's flying looks sort of similar to Anakin's speeder that he's taking over to Palpatine's. So like the first yeah. time I watched it, it was like, ooh, there's such a cool like similarity there that you know, just as Anakin was rushing to help his good friend, uh Ahsoka is rushing to help her sort of friend, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I also, I, I appreciated that kind of that tension that helps build, you know, uh, builds the sense of, of like real threat to Sabine. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. And uh, of course, once backup arrives, Shin leaves because her objective is to get the orb and leave. And uh, you know, so that's why she doesn't finish off Sabine. Um, but it, it's, it's such a, uh, you know, it's a really good first fight for the two of them. It, it gives us sort of a, a, like you said, it's a preview. Uh, it's, a <laughs> coming soon to a theater near you. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you only, you know, we're going to get more from these two and, uh, it's only going to get more intense, uh, as, as Sabine uh, reconnects with, her powers and her, her fighting spirit. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's all I had for this first episode called master and apprentice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well let's move into toil and trouble part two. (laughs) Great episode title. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Is that from Shakespeare? I believe that's where it originated. Okay. Um, Is that Hamlet maybe? So. Or Macbeth? But Macbeth, I think? The witches? It might have been Macbeth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the witches in Macbeth, I believe. I think that's where that originated. 
Yeah. Um, I'm sure somebody listening. But right it's now been is... used so many sure. times in so many places. So uh, anything to do with witches, I know. My first recollection of it as a kid was, you know, Looney Tunes. Um, <laughs> the, the, the witch in Looney Tunes every time over the cauldron. But yeah, I believe originally it was Shakespeare in Macbeth. So just okay. don't say that title in a theater. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, what's the what's the first uh, scene from this episode that that you wanted to talk uh, about? I called it. Uh, I called this scene the ancient path. It's the map, the reveal of the map um, on uh, what's the planet? Uh, the, oh shoot, I don't remember. That they go to. Um, it is. I don't remember. Hold on, I'm looking. Well, while you're looking it up, Cetos. Cetos. Yeah. Yeah. Cetos. Yeah. Um, uh, this was also the first moment from the scene episode I was going to talk about too. So go ahead. Oh, excellent. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's just such a really cool, uh, I love the imagery of it. Um, mm. And I love that it's sort of, um, uh, the, the imagery is just really fascinating in and of itself. I, I, I love the look of it and the, the uh, I don't know, the, it, it, it almost feels a bit reverent. It feels definitely like, you know, we're unleashing a secret that has been, hidden away for eons. Um, and, but I also love the connection that it has with the, the Dathomirians and the night sisters mm-hmm. and the powers that Morgan Elspeth has to use in order to activate it all, you know? So it gives us a little bit more of her. She's not just descended from the night sisters. She actually, has the potential to become one. She actually has some of the powers uh, because obviously, you know, we, we see the green fire mm-hmm. elevate the, uh, the orb as she activates it all and everything like that. And we, we get the, you know, this is the path forward. This is where we're headed. The um, pathway to pretty. It, it's definitely. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely the, the quest moment. Uh, and not only is it a quest for obviously our heroes because they're after, this information too, but it's a quest for the villains. Yeah. Uh, and I love that it's both. Yes. So, and I think that's, uh, that's one of the, the really great things about this series is that we, everyone's on a quest mm-hmm. and, and a quest is really the act, the, the, the perfect title you know, or uh, term for it. Uh, it's not just a mission. It's not an adventure. It's a quest. Um, everyone has their, there's the larger quest and then everyone has their own individual quest in and of themselves. Um, and and uh, this is the the larger quest that we're really fully getting to see for the first time. And I, I love this scene. And I love, like I said, the design is fantastic. When when she activates it, and just the uh, the map just comes over the top mm. of them in the dome and everything. Yeah. It, you know, within these ancient spires that are you know starting to crumble and fall down, the the projection is still immaculate, and you can almost imagine that perhaps these spires connected at the top, you know, in their heyday when it was in full use, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, loved it. Loved this, this yeah. sequence. Yeah. I, I love how you put it, Jason, that it is, it's very much the, the, the definitive moment early in the series of here's the quest we're on. Here's what we're looking for. And so much of the language in this scene, you know, I, I mean, I, this pathway to Peridia stuff that children in the Jedi temple talked about that Balin brings in, right? It's, mm-hmm. there's all this sense of, 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 of a mythical past. And, you know, Balin also notices these structures, they weren't built by the Jedi. Whose were they? 
an ancient people from an ancient galaxy. Like, oh man, like that simple line. I was like, F yeah, like that's so cool. Like, I love it because again, world mm-hmm. building, right? It's just, it just opens these doors for so many other stories or, 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 or just like making the Star Wars that makes this particular Star Wars story just feel deeply in, entrenched in you know the this universe eight, exactly thank you <laughs> um yeah so i so i love yeah. that aspect of this scene um and i also love as as that that holographic dome kind of appears over them watching shin's face right there's this look of wonder and awe that comes over her you know uh she's really taken aback but balin is always kind of stone-faced in it not in the, not in an uncaring mm-hmm. sense but shin is still young she's still like able to be filled with a sense of wonder Balin and he'll say this more explicitly a few episodes later but he's kind of lost his faith you know he he yeah he he sees how everything is still very broken and what we're going to come to learn for Balin is that he's on a personal quest for a greater power that's out there that's what the pathway to Pridia could mean for him um and, mm-hmm. and and then you know after Morgan kind of goes off to do her thing Balin and Shin again have this little moment where it doesn't take much. And I think this is where good, good writing and good acting comes in. Um, I think the writing could be better, but the acting is phenomenal Um, where once again, like Shin asks a question. She's, she's curious what, you know, they're really getting entangled in some stuff. She don't, I don't think she expected. So she's asking and, and, and I love the way just like, Balin is so quick to respond. He's not dismissive of anything. I love this again about how he relates to Shin. He sees her, hears her concerns and responds openly. He's transparent. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He doesn't hide things from her. He deeply respects her. So no wonder that respect is returned tenfold from her. But all that to say, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, Man, this is such a quotable moment because of how iconic Ray Stevenson's voice is. But you know what? You know what happens when they find Thrawn? For some, uh, for some war, for others, a new beginning. <laughs> you know, like it's so good. I love the way he delivers those lines. It's so Star Wars. <laughs> it's cheesy for uh, us. Yeah, yeah. Power for us. Yeah, power. The likes of which uh, something like you could never imagine. Something I don't remember the exact line, yeah. but yeah, it's so good. Yeah. But but I do love that, when he that's says really our first our that's really like our first glimpse that Balin has an ulterior motive. Yeah. In all of this. Yes. Um which I love. Me too. But when when he says for others, a new beginning. The way his eyes like it's the first time we really see some emotion from him. Like and again, this is thinking ahead, but what we'll come to learn is that Balin is trying to remake the galaxy we'll learn we'll talk more about this next week when we get to the the fourth part of the series um but uh all that to say like i i love it again for for what it means for balin and shin in this moment they're off on this big quest and like you said balin has his own motives here too that we're we're gonna have Mm -hmm. to wait to learn about and and i love that yeah no it's fantastic It, it and it really you know and this is the thing about villains and particularly you know in Star Wars, uh, but also in, in other really well-told stories, is the villains are always using each other for mm. their own purposes. There, yeah. There's not, generally speaking, unless it's you know enforced you know through like an empire, uh, an iron fist. Uh, there's not really a unified objective with the villains, um, 
and you know they, they all have their own individual goals that potentially uh, could put them on opposing paths if if they're not careful. Mm-hmm. And so it's always a balancing act of you know the larger overall goals mixed with the personal goals and how those blend mesh or oppose each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you always have to, to be careful of that when you're in this sort of alliance and uh, Balin obviously knows exactly what he's doing. Um, so uh, I feel like he's, he's figured this out or at least has a pretty good idea of what he thinks will happen and how to take advantage of that for his own ends. But uh, you know, when you have fascinating characters like Shay, you know, Shin and Balin, I almost said Shaylin and Bin, and that's not correct. <laughs> um, um, but uh, when you have fascinating characters like them, you can't just have them be the lackeys, right? You have to give them their own thing. Uh, and and I'm really glad that this is this is our first look into what that could be. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I only have one more moment from the episode that I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to kind of offer up what's your next one. Uh, my next one is the skirmish on Corellia. Um, the oh. the fight, you know. Um, I think mine might be before that, I, but whatever. Just talk about it now. and then I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and go now yeah. since you've only got one more for this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, this is obviously, you know, Hera and, and Ahsoka. This is, this is their, this is their, their buddy, buddy mission. Um, their buddy cop mission uh, that we get uh, in, in this season. And I, I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. You know, we obviously we get Hera uh, in her element uh, in the phantom flying something. Uh, and then of course, then Ahsoka ends up having to fight the, um, the quote unquote inquisitor uh, and destroyed, uh, which is great. You know, it, it's a, it's a really well choreographed uh, saber duel. Again, I think the choreography for the most part in this series is really good. Um, and it's, I really enjoy this skirmish because it cuts very nicely back and forth between the two of them. The tension is, is always kept up. It, it never feels like it drags uh, before it jumps back and forth. And then of course we get the great moment with chopper, um, you know, sassing Hera about did you you know move my stuff did you mess with my stuff <laughs> while he's trying to find the uh the tracking device um so which by the way best chopper moment maybe ever um it's so good. <laughs> yeah it's really it good. was it was really good it was it was really awesome to have a chopper moment like this and you know it, the fact that it's chopper and Hera because obviously you know it, they they speak on a level like Anakin and R2. Mm. Um and having that in the middle of a battle like this is really great. You know, they're they're trying to keep this this thing from getting away without, you know, it, so they can track it. But in the middle of it, there's this accusation like, hey, will you go through my stuff? No, we can't just blow it up. It's gonna crash into the, the port city. Is that bad? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. But the the way it cuts back and forth is it's very a star. It's very much a Star Wars uh, fight editing, and mm. I really appreciated how how it was crafted like that. You know that in and of itself, the you know the 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 two uh, different 
fights or, or, or confrontations, skirmishes, uh, were, were well done in and of themselves. But the way that I edited it together felt very Star Wars to me, and I appreciated that. So, uh, plus, it's just fun to see everybody in their element um, like that. So, absolutely. That's why I wanted to include it. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Uh, you know, yeah, like you said, I I do I enjoy that editing of going from the duel back to the to the um, chasing down the the the, the frigate there, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, gosh, the 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 chemistry between Chopper and Hera is so good. Yeah, it's it, really fantastic, it's so funny, and it and it's you know one of the only moments we really get like that in the series, and so I'm really glad that they nailed it like mm-hmm. that because it's it's perfect yeah you, you couldn't have gotten better <laughs> yeah yeah um well the the last moment that i'm going to mention from the episode is uh sabine's conversation with hu yang about her training mm-hmm. as a jedi uh i mean i i love good character moments and again like i said the, these first two episodes the character the he- the heroic character i care most about or actually have any care for is Sabine. I don't care about Ahsoka in these two episodes, which is probably why I didn't mention her in any of my moments. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, she's fine. She's there. <laughs> but I think Sabine is like, there's actually something going on there. There's, we're learning something about her. And, you know, I think something that blew people away when this was even announced that Sabine was Ahsoka's apprentice. Everybody's like, wait a minute. She's, she's not a force user. How does that work? Um, but I posted something to our social media, gosh, months ago. Uh, I think it was it was like right after the show started. But it's a, it's a scene from that episode in Rebels when Kanan trains Sabine to use the Darksaber where he's having a conversation with Hera. And Hera mentions like, yeah, I get it. Like she doesn't have the force. And he's like, the force isn't everybody. Um, she's just so blocked to it. So right even in Rebels, like it's it's implied that like, yeah, she's not particularly strongly force sensitive like a typical Jedi but she does have access to it. And and that's something I appreciate. And I feel like this is a conversation for probably its own episode at some point, Jason. But uh, I do appreciate how much this show is pushing the envelope on who can be a Jedi. Um, mm. So, But in this scene with Hu Yang, what we're learning again from Sabine is this is a character who's who's been hurt by Ahsoka. Ahsoka walked away from her. Again, we don't know why. Not yet. Um, but... Sabine is somebody in a way who kind of got dumped, you know, and that is one of yeah. the lousiest feelings in the world. Um, I'm sure if you've listened and been in those shoes, you know, um, but when, but when somebody severs their relationship with you for whatever reason, it hurts. And for a character like Sabine, she's kind of grown a little bit resentful of Ahsoka to a degree. Um, but she's implying she's, she's kind of pouring her heart out to Hu Yang and Hu Yang. I, I love when he says, well, you never indicated you wanted to come back. Um, mm-hmm. right. Cause, it, cause I think for Sabine in this moment, she's trying to really assess like, does Ahsoka actually want me back or is she just using me f- because I'm the next step to doing what she needs to do. Right. And I kind of right. want to connect this to what you were saying a moment ago, Jason, which I thought was really good about, right. How, in Star Wars, the villain characters always have ulterior motives and they're just using each other to get there. I think what Sabine is essentially asking is almost to that degree of like, does she actually care about me or is she just using me? Right. And and what we're right. going to obviously learn is, no, Ahsoka genuinely cares about you. Right. So that's what does obviously make them different from our villains is they yeah. understand that working together is the key to success. Um, but so Sabine learns that, uh, you know, 
it's been complicated for Ahsoka too. But then we get that like it's I'm just glad that like we're just going to give it to you right here. But like she's like, well, I never really had the gift like Ezra. That is true. And all my t- and th- this coming from Hu Yang, who's yep. been part of the Jedi Order since almost its inception for him to say, you're right. In all of my history, you have the lowest aptitude of anybody <laughs> in the fourth. And, right. <laughs> and even in I think it's the first episode when Hu Yang basically says to, or maybe I don't remember where it is. But Hu Yang says to Ahsoka, like, listen, the Jedi would have never picked her up as a candidate. Um Right. And, and, and Ahsoka has this, I guess it's not in one of these episodes, but so this will probably be something I talk about at a later date, but when Ahsoka essentially <laughs> says, well, like the Jedi are dead, right? Like what they were doing failed. So maybe I'm going to do something different. Um, but I do think like, this is really fascinating that Ahsoka takes Sabine on, even though she doesn't even, she doesn't meet the minimum requirements of the prequel era Jedi. And yet she still takes her on right. as an apprentice. And, and I also love this scene because then it's so once Hu Yang kind of explains that Sabine's got all these excuses. This is this is Luke with Ben Kenobi and Ben Kenobi's hut. Yeah. This is Moses after he encounters the burning bush. Right. This is true of storytelling throughout history. Like when a hero is called to adventure, usually they're they'll say no and then start making excuses. This is this is that moment for Sabine. Sabine has her excuses. Well, I don't have that gift. I can't do this. She doesn't want me. Um, I'm glad I won't, I won't waste any more of her time. And then he hands her the saber, right? Like such iconic Star Wars language. The only time you're wasting is your own, right? Like you can do this. Take it back up. That's the best line in that whole conversation. That's my favorite line in that conversation is the only time you're wasting is your own. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. I, I almost picked this moment. Um, but I had a suspicion you would, uh, (laughs) You're like, there's so feelings I, in this car. We'll talk about it. <laughs> right. Well, I was hoping you would. I was hoping you would because I already had three three moments. And I was like, well, I want to yeah. make sure I, I, you know, I wanted other, had other things I wanted to talk about. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is a, this is such a good scene. And it, it, it really is, you know, definitely. It's the moment that Sabine really she works through a lot of the issues that she's been having. And she's basically given you know, not not necessarily the call to adventure, but the Hu Yang hands her the saber, tells her the only time you're wasting is your own, and it's basically like, all right, it's in your hands now. Your future, whether it's with Ahsoka or on your own, is up to you. Uh, and and I I love that because it's you know, Ahsoka probably you know she's willing to do this you know this mission on her own she's been on her own ever since you know they, they you know she and sabine split last time um but you know ahsoka needs sabine and sabine needs ahsoka and the uh i love how this connects you know later when when sabine contacts ahsoka at the end of the episode she says i'm ready you know mm. uh she's made the decision she's made the call and she knows what she needs to do um it, it, and it's it echoes back to you know it looks like i'm going on a trip from the first yeah. episode yeah so uh yeah. i i'm a big fan of all of that so sure yeah, yeah. and and again you know i also really enjoy the line he yang says in that moment where he says well perhaps it's time to begin again Right. Um, mm-hmm. Sabine is still very much living in the ashes of the things she's lost. Right. She, yeah. she feels the pain of losing Ezra all over again. She's still living with the pain of, of 
Ahsoka walking away from her. Um, and now there's kind of this invitation from Hu Yang to, well, start over again, you know? Um, yeah. Clean slate. It's a clean slate. Like you can always go back into this. Um, and, and I love that. I think, and I also kind of, I mean, I even appreciate where it's happening. It's happening in a medical center, like where everything's clean and right. Like Mm -hmm. she's wearing like, you know, hospital gowns, essentially like this is a character who is, um, entering into a new existence. It's being invited into something new and to start over again. Um, so I love that. Like I, this is what I love so much about Sabine's character in these first couple episodes is she is the character that I, that I feel connected to that I'm interested in. Um, and she mm-hmm. has this invitation now to start over. Yeah. She really is in many cases are, uh, the, the every man kind of character, uh, to get us into the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's, she's the one that brings the audience into the story, uh, at least in, in the first couple of episodes. Um, I feel like that torch is pass as we get further into the, you know, the adventure into the season. Uh, but Sabine is definitely the one that, uh, that we sort of hitch a ride with mm. as we join in on this adventure. For so. sure. Yeah. Well, what is, what is the final uh, moment from, from this episode you wanted to make sure you, you, you talk about? Uh, it, it's, it's the last scene. Um, when Morgan is on board the uh, the Eye of Scion or or whatever the the ship is called, and she's mm. contacting Balin and Shin uh, as they're getting ready to go, and uh, the there's a question as to whether or not Ahsoka will be able to find them now, and I love the the implication here. You know when. Uh, Morgan asks Balin, well, Balin, what do you see? And he, you know, stops to take a, a moment to look into the force and sort of peer into the future. Um, which is, you know, maybe implies that that's one of his abilities, you know, something that he's, you know, particularly gifted in, uh, you know, seeing into the force and the possible futures that it, it presents. Um, but you, I like this scene, not only because of, you know, you, you get, uh, a glimpse into Balin like that, but you also get a glimpse into Ahsoka because he says her presence is elusive, but her determination is um, vivid mm-hmm. is the line. And which is such a description, you know, it, it's, it's really great, you know, so that not out now, not only do they know that she's coming, uh but she's coming with purpose. Mm. And of course, Morgan says, well, you'll have to get rid of her. And Balin has this moment where it'll be a shame. There's not many Jedi left. Sentiment? Truth. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's just a, a great little moment as, as we see the, the galaxy from Balin's perspective for a moment, you know, and, and I just love that. It's just such a great little moment uh, that, you know, we get a peek into Balin and a, a an understanding of Ahsoka at this moment um, in this little scene. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and 
You know, even though we didn't talk about this moment directly, just want to just taking something you just said, though, Jason, and I think it's important to just at least obviously recognize for our heroes, this episode ends with Ahsoka and Sabine being ready again. Right. Yes. I, I like that scene from earlier in when they're on Corellia, when, you know, uh, Harris trying to talk Ahsoka to taking Sabine back on. She's like, you know, how well, how is somebody who's re- how, do, how will you know when they're ready? They just know, right? Like, I think that's, there's a truth of that again in lived human experience of like, how, how do you know you met the right person? You just kind of know. Or how do you know this person's going to be your friend for life that you're going to make a podcast with for years? You just know, um, you know, like <laughs> right? you're just ready. Um, and uh, all that to say, like, they're both ready now. And that determination that Balin is sensing from Ahsoka, even though it's a bit clouded, just think though that she, there's a determination in her that, now that she and Ahsoka have chosen to enter back into that master-apprentice relationship again, um, there is a vivid determination that now Ahsoka will bring to it, right? Like, we don't know exactly yeah. what that relationship looked like in the past, and we don't really get much more from this entire season, which, again, is a pitfall of it for me. Um, one of the few, but uh, I think that should have been fleshed out a little bit more. But all that to say, whatever was going on before was wishy-washy. It led to a breakup. But now Ahsoka's entering, yeah. into, entering into this with a determination of her own that Ahsoka will also probably bring into it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, that sort of sets us up for what we're going to talk about in the next episode, Carl. There's, uh, mm-hmm. there's plenty more Ahsoka to go, and uh, I'm, I'm excited that we're going to be able to talk about all of it. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Maybe not all of it, but <laughs> more of, of it. the episodes. <laughs> more of it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yes, Carl, we are going to do a completely extensive and all-inclusive a conversation about everything that has ever been discussed about Ahsoka. Second by in second. These four episodes. Yeah. Right. You got the yes. infamous Star Wars show, Star Wars Minute. We're about to become Star Wars second. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. The, the, the fact that those guys did every single Star Wars film minute by minute is quite a feat. Um, That's astounding. Uh, congratulations to them. I know it for real. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I think don't that, think I would have had the patience for that to be perfectly honest. Same here, same here. Um, but anyway, that said, those are some of our favorite moments from these first couple of episodes. I think they, they work so well together. I think it makes absolute sense why they put them out together. Um, mm-hmm. they work so well together. Uh, and, and yeah, I can't wait to, to talk to you more parts the following week. Um, I think part four might be my favorite episode in the entire series. Um, mm. It's up there, but uh, uh, there's, I, I'll, I, I'll have to, uh, as we rewatch them all, I will have to uh, figure out which one's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I've it honestly, might've changed now yeah. that I, you know, not that we've seen the whole thing, but right. yeah. There's I, and I honestly like, I, I love that we're doing this this way. Cause you know, it's, yeah. as we talked about while the show was coming out, like, of course we wanted to talk about it, but I still love how it afforded me like the opportunity just to enjoy it without having to think of content creation. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, but I just like I love I love being able to look back on it now because like I like I said, you know, I haven't actually haven't watched the show really since it's wrapped. So it's I'm 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 loving that I get to be back in that world again. So I'm I'm really looking forward to more of more of this as we continue on. Definitely. It's it's going to be a whole lot of fun. 
Um, but Carl, if uh, people want to weigh in on you know some of the things that mm-hmm. we discussed, or if they want to tell us uh, what their favorite scenes uh, from these first two episodes of Ahsoka are, where can people get in contact with us? Yeah. Uh, we are on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair or shoot us an email at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Uh, any final thoughts before we close this out? Uh, the only thing getting in your way, Jason, is yourself. Uh, well, I'm going to have to tell myself to move then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And with that, uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 536, Ahsoka, parts one and two. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. Wampas Lair.